The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to our podcast, Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcast related to the Buffalo Bills. My name is John Boccasino, being joined, of course, by my colleague and co-host, Jamie D'Amico. Jamie did a great job filling in last week while I had a, a pretty bad illness, not quite the coronavirus, but y'all would not have wanted to hear my uh, my congested voice and coughing. The entire time. So Jamie did a great job stepping in, talking about the offensive line. And Jamie, we thank you for your pinch hitting abilities. Hey, man, not a problem. It's what a team does. We're a team, man. But it's good having you back. Yeah, it's good to be back here in the air chair. And uh, definitely want to thank our listeners again for for being a part of this podcast. You're always welcome to give us feedback on social media. You can tag uh, the Believe podcast by going at Buff Rumblings. You can also get Jamie at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John Boccasino. Uh, feel free to leave comments and suggestions on our stories that post with the podcast, our podcast notes on buffalorumblings.com. Jamie, I'm really excited for today's podcast. Uh, to let our fans know, today is going to be part two of our Josh Allen maturation and development discussion. And we we scratched the surface two weeks ago, uh, talking about some of the things that Josh has done well, uh, third down conversions, performance in the red zone, and some areas where, and and he improved his completion percentage. Of course, he really had nowhere to go but up after a rookie season where Josh took his lumps and he battled that elbow injury against the Texans. And, uh, you know, I think it was refreshing, uh, Jamie, to see that when Josh came back from that elbow injury, his rookie year, it almost seemed pretty evident that he had spent time watching the tape. He got more settled. Uh, he became more comfortable in the pocket. And I think that that progress, you know, carried over to the 2019 season. Of course, there's still areas that Josh can improve. His deep ball accuracy has been pathetic. His issues with ball security are troubling and concerning. Uh, his ability to throw wide receivers open versus finding the open target. Those are just three of the areas that come to mind when it comes to Josh Allen and where he needs to get better. But I think Bills fans in general can agree on this, Jamie. Josh made strides where you wanted to see strides made in 2019 as far as his completion percentage, reducing the turnover and the interception ratios, and getting rid of that reckless 
gunslinger mentality of thinking that you have to make a play every time you drop back and that it's okay to throw the ball away and lift to see another down. So I feel like this is going to be really fun to dive in and talk about all the ways we see Josh needing to improve and uh, areas where he's already made some big strides. You can definitely tell that he's coachable and that's one of the big things that I saw from year one to year two and was very happy to see it. Obviously he's working with Jordan Palmer uh, and in, in the off season and is really listening to Brian Dable and Ken Dorsey. There's recordings out there of, well, film out there of Dable saying to him, Hey, look, if it's not there, get rid of the ball, just throw it away. And you could tell that Alan took that to heart this year and made some better decisions. And let's talk about it, buddy. Where would you like to begin? Well, I know we kind of, we talked about this during the first part of this podcast, but I really can't, emphasize enough the fact that Josh Allen's progress from year one to year two must be viewed under the proper microscope. And that is considering that he started where he started. He had a really abysmal rookie season where he was five and six. He had a 53% completion percentage, which ranked uh, below. uh, He was outside the top 32 actually in completion percentages. He barely passed for 2000 yards. He had 10 touchdowns. He had 12 interceptions And his quarterback rating was 67.9, which was last among all qualifying starters in the league. To go from those baseline numbers, he saw a 6% spike in completion percentage year to year, which was the third highest of any quarterback behind only MVP Lamar Jackson and Tennessee's Ryan Tannehill. His passing yards increased to over 3,000. He finished with 3,089 passing yards. He completed 58.8% of his passes, still ranking last in the league. But again, he had so much of a gap to make up that getting a 6% spike was really significant. He threw 20 touchdown passes, only nine interceptions. And I really want to highlight this, Jamie. I think the turning point for Josh Allen during his second season was the loss to the Patriots at home. Up until that point, he had three touchdown passes and six interceptions, including the three against the Patriots. Over the final three quarters of the season, Josh Allen reduced his interception percentage, improved his touchdown percentage and his accuracy, and finished with a 17-3 to touchdown to interception ratio over the final 12 games. That is a remarkable turnaround. That, those are excellent numbers. And it's very interesting in how we want to look at this today, because we can look at it from the perspective of Josh Allen's improvement from year one to year two, but there's also taking it from the perspective of Josh Allen versus the field. Now, when we look at where he went from 2018 to 2019, it's very encouraging. But if you look at just the numbers compared to his peers, well, it doesn't tell quite as rosy of his story. And that's something that I think you're not getting a lot of from Bills fans right now because uh, we not only are we fanatics and do we want to see him succeed because he's likable and because he's fun to watch. And let's face it, we haven't had an entertaining quarterback to watch in decades I would say the last one that I was really entertained by was Tyrod Taylor to a degree because of the running ability. But Drew Bledsoe, I I would say, is the one that I enjoyed the most watching that rocket launcher send the ball 40 yards downfield consistently, hitting Eric Moulds and Peerless Price. Fun times. However, that was, that was almost 20 years ago now. Anyway, 
Um, compared to his peers, Josh Allen isn't stacking up that well. So let me give you this stat. Um, is true completion percentage. And that is is completion percentage adjusted for drops and throwaways. Also for being hit. So those are the ones where he was he had a clean pocket, threw the ball, and his receiver caught it. Okay. His true completion percentage was 64.7%. That puts him 33rd in the NFL. Now, when I'm watching Josh Allen play, I'm thinking, hey, this guy's pretty good. Compared to the rest of the league, ooh, that's a bad completion percentage because you know the argument we always had before was, Oh, yeah, the offensive line. Oh, yeah, well, the drops. Well, um, this is taking that out of the equation, and he's not even showing up as well as 32 other quarterbacks. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Jamie, that's and I'm really glad you mentioned the true completion percentage stat. A lot has been made about the drops that Cole Beasley and Dawson Knox, you know, the Bills receivers I believe led the league or at near at the very top, you know, they had the highest drop percentage, highest drop rate in the league this year, nearly 7%. So hope taking the contrarian point just for a second, you've got to imagine that with another year of rhythm and consistency with both Josh Allen and his weapons, that those drops are going to decrease, that they're going to find their target more often than not. A lot of that has to do with the footwork too. So much was made of how raw Josh Allen's footwork was coming out of Wyoming. In fact, the Bills made a point to address that last year with Jordan Palmer, especially on left sideline throws that were 15 to 25 yards. They made a point to work on Josh Allen's footwork because they knew that with his rocket arm, it doesn't matter how strong of an arm he has, if his mechanics are off and his footwork is off, every second counts when it comes to making these throws in the NFL when you've got if you have three seconds to throw the ball, you know, you're lucky on a lot of these plays and footwork has to be put at a premium uh, importance. So I feel like Josh made a lot of strides in his footwork last year and getting less of the happy feet. He's definitely come a long way from the first six games of his career where his first notion was to take off from the pocket and flee and improvise at the first sign of trouble. He's gotten a lot better at doing that at staying in the pocket. And we'll talk about one of the key areas that I really feel uh, is an area where Josh made improvement year to year in the amount of time that he had to throw and identify his targets downfield. But as to your question about the completion percentage and where it stands compared to the rest of the field, My only hope is that he makes another 6% improvement in year three. And I feel like that's not not one of those uh, goals that's unobtainable. I feel like Josh can improve by another 6% because his baseline starting point was so low to begin with. When you complete 53% of your passes, again, you have nowhere to go but up when it comes to that completion percentage. And Bills fans are buzzing. They want the team to take a wide receiver with pick number 22. I feel like they're going to go hard at wide receivers in the draft. They're saying this is one of the most talent-laden wide receiver draft classes in the last 25 years, and the Bills are in a good position at both 22 and 54 to select some playmakers. I see this only getting better when it comes to Buffalo and Josh Allen's completion percentage, because here's the other thing, Jamie, the weapons that Josh has to throw to Dawson Knox is only going to get better. He's going to feel more comfortable utilizing Devin Singletary out of the backfield. John Brown and Cole Beasley are going to be playmakers who he trusts 
thoroughly. And I feel like if you look at the Bills' top four wide receivers, they have to rank at or amongst the bottom of the league when you go one to four. Yes, the top two are really strong, but then Isaiah McKenzie as your number three, and whether you want to go Duke Williams, Robert Foster, you know, whomever you want to throw out there as as being that fourth wide receiver target, the Bills just didn't have the pedigree and the talent one to four. So that's why I think it makes it pretty remarkable what Josh was able to do between year one and year two. Uh, There's a lot to unpack that you just said there. And I would say, starting with the last point you made, Isaiah McKenzie was the Bills' number three. He doesn't make a lot of NFL rosters, let alone be in the starting lineup. So, you know, that's obviously a problem. Um, we talked about the the sideline passes, and uh, we also talked about the completion percentage. So let me start by addressing the completion percentage, and then we'll talk about those sideline passes that he improved upon. If that works for you, buddy. Oh, let's do it. And that's, listen, I I feel bad. I did kind of unload on you with a bunch of topics, but that's that's the way that this whole Josh Allen discussion works. There's so many ways we can take it. I don't think there's been a more polarizing Bills quarterback since Doug Flutie is probably being very safe to say when it comes, and when I say polarizing, look, people love Josh as a person. They love him as a leader. He's got those intangibles. I think people... Get lost. What gets lost in this whole shuffle? Just to go on a real quick side tangent, Josh Allen brings out the fanatic in Buffalo Bills fans. He sure does. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, you talk about somebody who you you asked you mentioned earlier. You were talking about the last time you were this excited for a Bills young quarterback. I actually, when Trent Edwards came out of Stanford, he didn't have the cannon of an arm that Josh did, but I actually fully bought into Trent Edwards. And when he got off to that five game start in the 2007 season, they beat the chargers at the Ralph when the power went out and nobody knew what was happening at home. The television broadcast cut out, but Trent Edwards was having a powerful game for those bills. And then he got the shit whacked out of him by Adrian Wilson yeah. of the Arizona Cardinals and he was never the same. No. That to me was the last time that a young Bills quarterback, I really bought in hook, line, and sinker as I have with Josh Allen. So that's why I feel like the fanatic in all of us, we so desperately want to shed that moniker of the Bills haven't had a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback since Jim Kelly. The Bills haven't had a league average quarterback since Jim Kelly. That gets tossed around all the time, how the Bills have been a quarterback wasteland. And I feel like that really does put undue expectations sometimes on the development of Josh Allen. And I just want our fans to take a stock of where he has improved because there have been great strides made, but of course there's a lot of room to improve. So react to Jamie, if you want the, the sideline throws, the completion percentage accuracy, where do you want to go? You know, uh, I'm going to make an analogy first. It's like we as Bills fans are trying to will him into stardom. It's very similar to, I have family members who are, well, they believe everything they hear on Fox News, and they especially believe every email forward that they receive. Now, oh my God, I, I, right. I try to tell them that, you know, just because it's emailed to you doesn't make it true. But let's say going back four to eight years ago, they hated Barack Obama so much that they were trying to will these things into facts. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, we look at the positives in Josh Allen and try to will them into being 
more than they are. Um, I love your reaction. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So it's so visceral though, because you put me in that time in that space and it's like, I, first of all, I think of Michael Scott with the email forwards and how else am I going to entertain people on email, but by forwarding all these emails that nobody laughs at. So I could see your family members falling in line with that. And then the whole believing Fox news and everything that they say out there, Ah, those family dinners at Thanksgiving must be really interesting. Let's look at go back to the completion percentages. And we know that he was we know that Allen was terrible at the deep ball this past year. Uh, but where else was he struggling? Well, the pressured completion percentage. He was 34th in the NFL, so when he was under duress, he was only completing 17% of his passes. Now, what plays into that? A lot of that is your ability to see where the rush is coming from, adjust to it, but also having the timing mechanism to know when you have to get rid of the ball and to be able to throw a receiver open. And that is something that we know Josh Allen didn't do a great job of in his first two years is, as they say, throwing a receiver open or throwing it to a window where the receiver will be a few seconds down the road when, you know, the the ball gets to its target. So the anticipation isn't quite there. He was ranked 30, like I said, 34th in the NFL uh, on when under pressure. Um, the other place where he struggled seemingly more than anywhere else was red zone completion percentage. When the field is, when, when the field is sort of compacted on you, What's going on? Well, you have more bodies in a smaller area, which causes for greater precision. And we know that Josh Allen, while improving his accuracy tremendously, the precision isn't necessarily where it needs to be. Now, it has improved. Now, let's go once again to the sideline passing. What improves the precision for him more than anything else has been the improvement of his footwork. Now, Josh Allen had a big problem when throwing to especially the left sideline of bad footwork. He was opening, he was stepping to the side, which was causing him to open his front hip, dragging his arm through the, through the throwing zone, as opposed to throwing the ball sort of 12 to six, his arm was coming across at more of a two to seven angle or two to eight angle. And that was causing the ball to sail on him or go directly into the ground. And it was kind of maddening to watch because you should be able to hit a receiver that's three yards downfield. That was definitely improved upon in this past offseason. And it was a nice thing to see because he his quarterback rating actually improved tremendously in the zone from uh, 10 yards to 20 yards on the left sideline his passer rating improved from 38 to 114 and a half that is a massive massive improvement and you can really chalk that up to as i said before his ability to take coaching and work with it and then even beyond taking the coaching and working with it implementing it during games which is not an easy thing to do for a developing player but he's doing it, and I think you're going to see that progress into 2020 as well. Yeah, the left sideline, Jamie, it's, it's fascinating 
when you look at this, and I've got the next gen stats that you're referencing up here. Uh, during his rookie year, yeah, he had a 38.1 passer rating when going on deep balls 10 to 20 yards down to the left sideline. Because of his improved footwork and because of his improved mechanics and because of his improved ability to identify the receiver and the coverage, that spiked to 114.5, as you mentioned, on 10 to 20 yard throws to the left sideline in 2019. A tremendous improvement uh, of 80 points out there, which you just don't see a quarterback make that type of stride you know, from one year to the next. So I thought it was really impressive. And I give a lot of credit to his work with Jordan Palmer. I feel like that is really making strides for Josh when it comes to just getting his mechanics down, getting his footwork down, throwing with a better angle. But the area that I still want to see Josh improve upon when it comes to especially those sideline throws is, like you said it earlier, throwing the receiver open. This isn't in college where Joe Burrow is going to throw 60 touchdown passes because his top playmakers take five yards down the field and then they're easily open because the corners somehow it's amazing to me how wide receiver is one of those positions where it's so hard to go from being a college standout to a pro standout given the fact that they don't face press coverage in college like they do in the NFL, and given the fact that you can just, again, run downfield and with superior speed and athleticism, you can find yourself open. Whereas in the NFL, you have to learn to run and throw to a receiver who is open. And that's one of Josh's biggest areas of improvement that we still need to see. He needs to get better at throwing the ball before the receiver makes his break on the route to give him a chance to get open. And there was that play in the uh, playoff game when John Brown was open for a touchdown in the end zone. (laughs) And if Josh had thrown the ball just half a second or a third of a second sooner, I think John Brown would have come down with a touchdown and the bills would have had a 20 point lead instead of settling for the field goal and being up only 16. I digress. I'm still not over that playoff loss. That pass still sticks with me, but it's an example, Jamie of again, where especially on the back shoulder throws, you know, Josh has improved a lot. His timing has gotten much better. His ball placement has improved. And instead of receivers woefully being underthrown, they have a chance to get open and make the play. He just needs to get more consistent when it comes to those passes that are against tighter coverage to the sidelines. And the way he can address that is, again, getting the ball out quicker before the receiver makes his break to the sideline. We know Josh has the strength to get the ball there, but reading and recognizing and finding that exact split second before the receiver makes his break, I feel that's going to help Josh take that dramatic leap from year two to year three. The other thing that we talk about with regards to throwing a receiver open, Josh needs to get better at forecasting and predicting where there's going to be openings in zone coverage. Now, Josh did make strides against cover one zone defenses, and he did Mm -hmm. make strides against the zone defenses that he saw in general in 2019. But if he can get even, and, and we know Josh is better at reading the blitz. He still is struggling dramatically against all out blitzes and end of game blitz scenarios. Like we saw with the Ravens and the Patriots game and the Texans playoff game. But I feel like if he can get better at finding and predicting again, those open spots in the zone coverage, the sky is the limit for his progress next year. You're 100% right that one of the difficulties he had this year was was 
against the the all out blitz, the cover zero as they call it. The the way to beat that blitz is to throw the ball quick and throw it deep, get it over the top of the defense because there's no safeties for help there. And you could see that against the Ravens, that's exactly what Allen was trying to do. It's the right call. It's what Dable told him to do. He just wasn't accurate when doing that. And, you know, it's – we. I, I don't know the, the exact way of of getting that, but the coaches say they know they know what it's going to take for him to improve there. The other thing is that really kind of stood out to me is there was an evolution in him during the season, but in one area, not quite in the right regard. And that was earlier in the season, it seemed like Allen was more of a rhythm passer. And he got out of that as the as the season went along. And by rhythm passer, you you're looking at a quarterback who does his three steps, turns, fires the ball as the receiver's coming out of the break. It seemed like as the season wore on, Allen was kind of looking and checking down his receivers and then letting the ball go. That's not as much what I want to see from him. I do want to see him go back to more of the rhythm passing. However, you also brought up a great point, which was, you know, how long it takes for him to get rid of the ball as opposed to waiting for the receiver to get open. Now, one of the places he improved over the course of the year was the time it took him to throw or run or be sacked. Um, in fact, the the best of his career was against Pittsburgh when he really did play a, a strong game. And, you know, Allen was getting rid of the ball in, in that game every about 2.48 seconds, actually, to be exact. And his adjusted completion percentage when he's getting rid of the ball that quickly, 76 and a half. So when we have seen Josh Allen get rid of the ball in a hurry, he's doing well. Now, against the Texans in that wild card game, he did poorly, as we saw. He was holding the ball for almost three full seconds and in the final quarter of that game, over three seconds. And that was after after he'd lost that fumble and sort of, you know, everything went haywire. Um, his stats in the Texans game were actually really good until he began holding the ball. And that's a case of a quarterback who's trying to do too much with the ball in his hands. So if he plays within himself and doesn't do stupid things like throw a lateral to Dawson Knox while he's being tackled, um, you know, we're looking at a person who is maturing and using what's given to him. And I like the direction that we're trending when it comes to that. You know, Jamie, I am so glad you brought up the Houston Texans playoff game and the time that Josh had to make his decisions. I'm going to give a lot of credit where credit's due. Joe Biscalia did a really good job on the athletic of breaking down, especially in that Texans playoff game, the tale of two halves, really the tale of the first three and a half quarters. And then there was the or three quarters. And then there was that big fumble that Josh lost at the start of the fourth quarter. It was a completely different quarterback. Now, for perspective out there, fans, when we're talking about time to throw and time to decision, whether that's to run, to throw, or to take the sack, three seconds and under is a good barometer where you haven't stressed out your offensive line enough to the point where they're now going to either get called for a holding penalty 
or they're going to take a coverage sack because they just can't fend off the opposing defenders for longer than three seconds. You really want your quarterback to be making your decisions Mm -hmm. under three seconds. And Josh, for the most part, did that in the second half of 2020. You know, the Redskins game uh, where the Bills pulled out a win was really the last game where he was hovering around the 294-295 range. He got dramatically better from Cleveland, Miami, Denver, Dallas. The Baltimore game, he regressed a little bit, but then you mentioned Pittsburgh was really the best game of his career when it came to the least amount of time it required to make the decisions. And the faster he gets rid of the ball, the easier it is for his playmakers to get open and for, again, the offensive line to not be overtaxed by having to protect for a longer period of time in that Texans game. And a lot of that credit, by the way, goes to the offensive mm-hmm. line, which was dramatically overhauled with Mitch Morris, Quinton Spain, John Feliciano, Cody Ford. There were a lot of weapons that were brought into the arsenal on the O-line that gave Josh more time to throw the ball his second year versus his first year in that Texans game. However, everything went to haywire after he lost that fumble, his average Time to decision went to 3.39 seconds. He completed only seven of 19 passes, 93 total yards. He took a sack on 22 dropbacks. They're really with Josh Allen. I think almost more so than almost any other quarterback in the league. There is a direct connection between how much time he has to make his decision and how efficient he is with the ball. Hopefully in 2020, we see Josh continuing the good progress with the time to decision and making decisions quickly with the ball versus hanging on to it for longer than three seconds like we saw in the Texans game. But a lot of that, as good as the offensive line comes, the equal component is Josh's ability to process what he is seeing on the field and what he is recognizing and reacting to. And the biggest concern for me, Jamie, and I'm sure it's the same for you too, is those blitz heavy schemes that the Patriots and that the Ravens and that the Texans in the second half threw at Josh Allen. If Josh doesn't get better at identifying in a split second where the blitz is coming from and where he needs to go with the ball again and finding those open coverage areas This all could be a moot point in 2020 because that is a biggest deterrent to me to Josh making that step forward and getting to be a top 15 quarterback that the Bills drafted him to be. His ability to read and recognize the blitz and know what to do and when to do it in a heartbeat. People look at the cover zero and say, oh, well, that's really hard to overcome. And actually, it's not. If you take a look at the actually at the Houston Texans and look at Watson, he is an expert at carving up defenses when they attempt to do the cover zero. And it's that he knows where his receivers are going to be, when to time it, and where to put the ball. And ball placement, like we've said, that's that's a big thing. And when Allen works out whatever it is with his mechanics that are preventing him from from landing the the ball where it needs to go, I think that you're you're going to see an improvement because it's going to be nothing but a steady diet of those blitzes from well now through the rest of his career unless he shows that he can beat that. Um, I would like to see him spend no more than two and a half seconds getting rid of the ball because it seems like that's where he's at his best because that's when the timing is working of course there's a lot that plays into that the offensive line has to block the receivers have to get open um but when you're making your decision that quickly you're looking at success so 
last week, well, I shouldn't say two weeks ago, I held your feet to the fire and I asked you to grade Josh Allen's 2019 performance. You gave him a B plus. I did. And, uh, and I, I want to say one of the, re- and you know, it's interesting. Uh, I had some friends of mine who had texted, they heard the podcast and they kind of gave me some, some grief over this. Again, I think it's because they hold Josh to a higher standard, but they were like, how do you give him a B plus when his completion percentage was worst in the league? And I said, well, honestly, I gave him a B plus because of the areas of improvement. I still feel like Josh is an unfinished product. But what he did in the red zone, I know the completion percentage can get better. And same thing with his third downs. But he did see a 10% improvement in his third down completion percentage last year to this year. He did have eight touchdown passes to only two interceptions on those third downs. And he did have 47 passing first downs and 17 rushing first downs on his third down conversions. To me, if you're able to move the sticks and convert third downs into first downs and keep drives Mm -hmm. going, that is a big barometer of a successful quarterback in this league. And look, there's still plenty of room for Josh to improve, but I really thought he got a lot Look, he was tied with Tom Brady for the most total touchdowns on third down this past season. He had six total touchdowns on third downs, tied with the GOAT. I hate to say that phrase with Tom Brady, but tied with with Tom Brady. That was a noticeable improvement, as was his performance in the red zone and getting those drives. Look, when an offense counts on Josh Allen to convert as many drives to touchdowns as possible because you don't know how often you're going to get down there and score. There's a premium placed on finding the end zone. And Josh did a very good job with that, both with his legs and with his passing ability in 2019. But I still see him as being an unfinished product. And look, B plus, maybe that was a little bit on the high end, but I saw the bottom line. He got 10 wins and got him to the playoffs. So to me, that was deserving of a B plus grade. And you, Jamie, if I recall, you gave him a C that's correct. We, we, we explain that a little bit for our listeners who might have missed out the first time. Yeah, I thought he was deserving of a C because while we saw great improvement and he's a guy that, oh my God, do I want to root for. Look no farther than the play against the Cowboys where the snap got fumbled. He jumped up, ran in, ran into a guy and then flipped a dude over his body as he was on his way to a first down. That is that is a quarterback that I can get behind and his teammates do too. He's an exciting player. But for me, I wasn't looking at I wasn't looking at how much did he improve or how much do I like him because I love the guy. Um I was looking at how does he stack up against the competition and to me his stats were middling. The team won 10 games. I thought they could have won at least two more if he were a little bit more polished. I I think that the game against the Ravens, they could have easily won had Josh been a little more on his game with those, um, with those longer passes, trying to overcome the, the blitz. I think that in his rookie season, he was well below average. I think this past season, I would put him Middle of the pack, I I would say that while his statistics weren't as good or actually were straight up bad in a number of cases, I don't think that the numbers tell the entire story. And the eyeball test said that here's a guy you can win with and here's a guy that teammates rally behind. So 
I because the stats were were pretty bad in a lot of areas, I couldn't say that he was better than average, but they won. So they kind of balanced each other out into a C. And, you know, that that's where I got mine from. And I'm going to stick with that. I, I, I don't think I'm going to edit that. I think he has a chance to get to a B plus in 2020. And I don't think he has that far to go. There's a little bit that needs to be tuned up. I think by year four, we're going to see something. But in the article on Buffalo Rumblings uh, that was put out by our own Scarecrow, who did a really great job of looking at quarterbacks that improve between years two and three. Unfortunately, it looks like Allen is going to have to improve more than average in order to become an average quarterback. So that doesn't have us in a great situation, and that's comparing Josh Allen to other quarterbacks that have come in the league. Um, And in most cases, Matt Stafford had the biggest leap from years two to three. That's what we want to see in Josh Allen. Now, is it going to happen? If it doesn't, as Scarecrow pointed out, if that doesn't happen, they may, the Bills may have to consider looking at moving on from Allen after next season. And unfortunately, I think that this guy's going to take four years to develop as opposed to the three years you give most quarterbacks. Um, But anyway, that's where my grade comes from. And I'm hoping that he's around well into the future. Yeah. And, 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 and Jamie, those are are very valid points that you bring up, especially again, like we've talked about, you know, there's a common phrase in, in psychology when you, when you're addressing yourself and areas you need to improve, you need to start where you are. And I think that's really important again, for the bills fans to consider Josh Allen with his development, We need to start with where he is right now at the end of the 2019 season, not where we want him to be in 2020 or 2021, but let's take a second. Let's appreciate and savor the areas of improvement that he had from year one to year two. Now, that being said, we know there's a lot of areas he still needs to improve upon. We barely scratched the surface of the deep ball accuracy part of Josh's development and growth. He only completed 13% of his passes that went 30 yards or more in the air uh, during the 2019 season. Although I will say the deep ball to John Brown that burned Stefan Gilmore, the second Patriots game. Dude, how sweet was that? That to me, I know it's only one throw, but that gave me the hope that, all right, Josh can do this. He can find the open receiver, throw to him to make him open and get those deep balls going. I, I Look, maybe it's me being cautiously optimistic, but I can see big strides for Josh, again, because he has nowhere to go but up when it comes to his deep ball accuracy and getting better. He must get that timing and that placement necessary to get on the same page with his receivers in deep ball situations. Maybe a lot of it is due to the fact that his rookie year, he and Robert Foster had a good chemistry, and then Foster disappeared from the face of the offense in 2019. So maybe another year working with John Brown and whomever they bring in in the draft or free agency to serve as a compliment will help. Maybe it's Duke Williams will help Josh make that leap with his deep ball accuracy. But count me among the folks who feel like he did at least turn a corner the final quarter of the season, especially again, that John Brown ball uh, that burns Stefan Gilmore. I think that he's going to make that progress. It's just a matter of getting there. Yeah. And he's got to do the work, right? And, and I like what you had to say. You have to start where you are. Um, where he was coming out, very raw, 
not a lot of high-end coaching, spending a lot of his time in junior college. Um, I, th- I think that there is a future for this guy. The other area, Jamie, I want to get to real quick is, and we've talked about this before, but look, we all know what a world-class athlete Josh Allen is, and he's fearless, and I love the fact that he's able to go out there with his legs, extend plays, and he's he's become much more of a, not a run-first quarterback like we saw when he was running for 600-plus yards during his rookie season, but he's running when it's open and when it's convenient and, and on these design runs to get those first downs. But one area that he he desperately needs to get better at is the ball security yeah, The ball was stripped away from Josh Allen 24 times in his first 29 games in the league, meaning he's averaging a fumble every .82 games. Now, the Bills benefited from a lot of luck. It's, it's, it's such a crapshoot when it comes to a fumble and who's going to recover it. And last year, the Bills recovered 69% of the fumbles that Josh Allen put on the turf. His fumble rate actually decreased uh, I'm sorry, got worse from 19 to 18 to 19. He fumbled almost once every 0.94 games in 2019. That cannot continue in 2020 if the Bills are to be successful. Fumbles are going to happen, but Josh just has to maybe, I don't know if it's as simple as you know that drill, the trick you did when you were in middle school. You would sleep with the football at night. You learn to cradle it, learn to protect it. But Josh has to find some sort of, of middle ground where he learns to feel and sense when the defender is coming upon him so that he doesn't give up those backbreaking fumbles because, you know, Jamie, the bills are really lucky that the team did recover almost 70% of those fumbles last year, preventing those game changing drives from swinging the opposite direction. I'm glad you brought that up because the way the football bounces is (laughs) uh, it's very unpredictable and is as much as it's likely to bounce your direction, it seems like it's more likely to bounce the other direction. So luck was luck was on the side of the Bills in a couple of ways this year, one of which was the recovery of the self-fumbles, and the other was uh, they, they stayed healthy. Like the roster top to bottom really didn't miss much time this past year, and that helped everybody's develop, development as well as the playoff push. So... Hopefully we see more of that going forward, but these aren't things that you can bank on. So you have to build your depth. You have to hold the ball. Well, Jamie, before we wrap up this pod, and it's really been a lot of fun doing this deep dive here on Josh Allen and his progress. But I want to ask one more question of you, Jamie, and you can turn the tables on me too. But we talk about the fanatic in fan and how Bill's fans are. You know, it, Josh Allen is so polarizing. Either you love him or you feel like he's holding back the team. Why is it, Jamie, do you feel that a lot of Bills fans have been so quick to write off Josh Allen? And he's only 23. I know he came from a less heralded college in Wyoming. His pedigree doesn't match, you know, what you would see from a Russell Wilson or a Drew Brees, you know, your prototypical quarterbacks who came and had prolific college careers. But I get a little perturbed by the fact that some Bills fans are just so quick to write off Josh Allen to the point where they're talking about, you know, there's always that pocket of people that wanted to bring in Matt Barkley early in the season. Thankfully, those rumors and those talks got quashed 
the better Allen played the second half of the season. But I just wonder why you think Bills fans are so quick to write off someone who seems to be doing all of the right things and getting better in all the right areas, albeit maybe it's a slower pace than they're expecting. But it feels like Bills fans have been really quick to try to turn on Josh Allen so far in his young career. I think that we as a society are into instant gratification. And the NFL in particular, the way the contracts are structured and free agency if to, for a first-round draft pick is going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be a free agent within five years. Sort of the Goldilocks zone for a team being successful is in the quarterback's first contract because if your quarterback is good, you're going to end up paying them almost $30 million a season, and that's going to really hamstring your salary cap. So people and teams want to see a quarterback get out there and be successful right away because the way the league is set up, you don't really have the time to develop a quarterback before you're paying them an awful lot of money to keep them on the team, which is going to cause your the rest of your team to take a step backwards. And I think people want to look at it and say, yay or nay, and get the next body up in the lineup right away to see what that person is going to do. I don't think you're going to see many Aaron Rodgers situations going forward where Rodgers sat for two or three years behind Brett Favre before he got in the game and then, you know, became a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback himself. Man, Green Bay fans are spoiled. Anyway, (laughs) uh, I, I think that's where it comes from. And Josh Allen was never a guy that was going to come in and be successful right away. He was very raw. That's what all the scouting reports said. This was a player that needed to be coached up and taught a lot of things. So here we are in the NFL. He's learning on the job, and it can be pretty ugly sometimes. And if I'm a fan that doesn't want to deal with the ups and downs, I'm going to be ready to move on from him right away. And I have to say, I have my moments too, where I think, boy, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to get there, but maybe I'm feeling a little bit more, a, a little bit more patient because, well, maybe because we're doing a podcast and because when a player isn't doing well, it's actually easier to talk about. I don't know. Well, I, I, I hope that this has been therapeutic um, and hopefully a, a beneficial podcast for our fans out there uh, who, who like the Bill Eve podcast and Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I really appreciate Jamie D'Amico coming on with me and, uh, and chewing the fat, as it were, over Josh Allen's development. I just want to close by saying I really hope – look, I am an eternal optimist. I was born a Cubs fan. I've been a Bills fan my whole life. You know, I have a football team in college that won one national championship, Syracuse, in 1959. They've won one men's basketball title my senior year, 2003. I'm not used to my sports teams winning, but I always believe that they're going to turn around and they're going to find a way to get it done. And the same thing goes with Josh Allen. Everything this regime has asked him to do to get better at, he has made strides at, he's gotten to work and made progress. I really can't wait to see what he does in year three for his development because with the fact that he's gotten better at his decision-making, 
His short intermediate passes are near the top of the league rankings. He's cutting down on the turnovers. He's better in the red zone and he's better on third down. I feel like Josh can make those strides to get into the upper echelon, at least be a top 15 quarterback uh, for Buffalo. And I'm hoping that Bills fans give him a little bit of patience when it comes to the 2020 season, which to be fair, we haven't even brought this point up, Jamie, but he's going to be facing much stiffer competition than a tougher yeah. schedule when you look at the games that are on the docket. Now, every year we say the schedules are tough and some teams are who we thought they were and some teams are paper champions. But this is going to be a true test in year three of where Josh can go and his development because he's going to, again, have a much tougher schedule facing him. And we'll definitely get to that. Now, see, your optimism I I love to hear it, but your optimism is the reason why our listeners like you better than they like me. I I take that as a compliment. I mean, but I I try to be, I I do try to be realistic with it. Like if I were sitting here telling you, you know, like I'm not going to put either of us on the spot and say where I rank Josh Allen in the top 32 quarterbacks because we haven't prepared for that. Maybe that's a future podcast topic, but I know what I see and I know what I like. And there's moments when Josh pisses me off and drives me crazy. And the fu- the lateral to Dawson Knox, the fumble when he was hit sideways in the playoff game, some of his decision-making still boggles my mind. But then I look back and say, wait a minute. He threw 17 touchdown passes against three interceptions the final 12 weeks of the season. When the hell is the last time we had a quarterback who was that competent at the position to inspire that much hope. So that's, I think, why Jamie, bottom line, he got the Bills to the playoffs. He got 10 wins. He's an exciting guy. That's why I want to believe in him, because I see what I see, and I like the progress that I see. But I'll tell you, there's areas I still think he has warts where he can get better, of course. Amen, brother. Well, listen, folks, we really appreciate you sticking through with us to the end on this podcast. Hopefully you learned something from it. I know that Jamie and I had a lot of fun putting this podcast together. Of course, we welcome your feedback. Please make sure to share some comments on our podcast story at buffalorumblings.com and on social media. For my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino signing off on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast.